My name is Andranik Eskandarian, and you are listening to Tim Melly Talk. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Team Melly Talk. I'm your host, Artif Dakhari. Really glad that you can join us. And for this edition of Team Melly Talk, we have two guests. First, let's welcome Sahand Salari, a longtime Team Melly fan. Sahand, welcome to Team Melly Talk. It's really great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me on, Art. I uh, can't wait to discuss uh, all the new things that have been going on with Team Melly. Awesome. Once again, great to have you. We'll get to that soon. And also, let's welcome back Aria Alaverdi of Goldbizan. Aria, how are you doing over there in Scotland? I'm good, man. How are you? Good to be back on the show. Um, Join with our good friend Sahan. And hopefully, we can uh, have some good discussions. Excellent. Let's get right to it. As we know, it has been more than a month, of course, since the World Cup finished. But as we all know, us Team LA fans always have a lot to talk about. The World Cup only comes once every four years. So let's go back to the 2018 FIFA World Cup in Russia. And my first question directed towards you, Sahand, and I'll, this is a question I really like asking all Team LA fans. Who was your MVP for Team LA at the 2018 World Cup in Russia? Well, uh, Art, we had so many great players, and I think it was really a great team display. And I think uh, that's what... Uh, most of the people that have been asked this question uh, responded with. But for me, even though we had so many great performances all throughout the team, there was one player in particular that stood out, and his performance was really a surprise to a lot of Team Medley fans. And for me, that was Omida Ebrahimi of Estehlal, uh, now Al-Ahli in Qatar. Uh, he was in a position that uh, many would describe as a problem position for Team Medley going into the World Cup, given that uh, Saide Zatullahi was going to miss the first game through suspension uh, in the defensive midfield role. And uh, before the World Cup, I think much of the discussion uh, amongst Team Medley fans was that we had a great attack and some very solid defenders, but our defensive midfield and deep midfield was a place where we didn't have players besides Ezatullahi that were good enough defensively or competent enough to do uh, dis- distribution with the ball, especially against higher-level opposition. And this was my main concern going into the tournament. But I was actually on the ground in Russia for the first game against Morocco and St. Petersburg. And I have to say that Omida Ibrahimi was just fantastic. Uh, he was just excellent throughout in both the defensive phase of the game and also when we had the ball, quickly distribute play and get the ball to our more creative players. Uh, But not just the first game, all three games, I think it was really fantastic. Uh, There was just really no weak points about his play. Uh, I mean, his statistics on the defensive side were great. He had 33% success rate in tackles, 38% success rate in duels, and 43% success rate in aerial duels, which was... Uh, something that was definitely evident on the field, especially against Morocco, when he just would not let the creative players of Morocco pass. And also he had very solid distribution at 82%. And uh, some people didn't even expect him to start there. But the fact that he was able to come in and start all three games and play so well, I think, was one of the biggest surprises of the World Cup. And he was probably, for me, our best performer. really like the explanation. And, you know, you're... 
in, in regarding guests that have been on Team Ellie Talk, you know, you're not the first person to mention Omid Ibrahimi as the MVP for Team Ellie at the World Cup. And also, you know, it's very you've commonly heard on more than one occasion that this was such a team effort that you probably had, that we had numerous Team Ellie fans saying that it was hard to pick one player as the MVP and that, you know, basically just say, choose the team. And, you know, I like, really like hearing these things. But like you said, yes, Omid Ibrahimi, you got to love what he brought to Team to Team Ellie during the World Cup. And you mentioned him being a domestic player as well. It's like we really saw a lot of the domestic players just really bring out that effort that you know that was very influenced by Carlos Queiroz. Okay, now, Aria, for you, before I, you know, let you answer this question, I feel like, you know, I could already guess that maybe your choice for MVP for Team Ellie at the World Cup was quite possibly center back Majid Hosseini. Am I right? Um, maybe. Um, no, I would actually give it to um, uh, Sadar Osmond, um, mainly for the fact that he, he took instruction very well in the World Cup because... Uh, if you look at the games, especially against Portugal and Spain, uh, not so much against Morocco, but against Portugal and Spain, the tough, the two tough games that we had, um, he took instruction really well. I think something that's that's very key for a player um, in these kind of games, these tough games against big teams, it's very important that you listen to your coach and you're able to follow what he gives you tactically um, and perform at a high level, which I actually think he did. Uh, a lot of people would think maybe, you know, as a striker, you're expecting him to score goals. That's fine, you know. But his instruction uh, wasn't to be um, a, a goal scorer in, in terms of a striker. He was, His instruction was to be first and foremost a unit in the defensive line. He was meant to. He was supposed to be the first line of defense. That was his first instruction, and he did that perfectly. He, can, you know, he was making sure the ball um, was getting forced down one side, which is one thing he has to do as a striker. He was marking the deepest playmaker each team had against um, Spain. He was marking Busquets against Portugal. He marked um, Carvalho did it very well, and if you watch the games again, they didn't get on the ball as much as they would do against other teams. They didn't control the game the same way uh, maybe Busquets does for Barcelona, uh, Carvalho did for um, Sporting Lisbon. They didn't control the ball. So his job um, as a first line of defence was done correctly, and you have to give him the praise for that. Um, And also, you have to add on top of that um, the criticism that he received by fans, you have to also take into account that he he took all that criticism and still played um, ninety minutes. They have to also say he played ninety minutes in all three games. Something he doesn't normally do in after the national team. Normally he gets subbed off, but he, in my opinion, performed for his instruction and what he was supposed to do very 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 well. Um, so he has to be. Commended. Unfortunately, he's retired now um, for for some time. Hopefully, he comes back. But uh, I think he was he was one of my uh, my my best players in the World Cup. If I could add one more uh, thing on the uh, players, especially the domestic players, I think what we saw was that um, going into the tournament, we had a lot of ideas as Team Medley fans that 
our attacking players would be really standout players for us because they had a European experience against uh, good European teams. We had Jaun Bash, who was the top scorer, Osmund, who had great Champions League experience, Godus, who had great Europa League experience. We had Ansari Fares. Uh, so we had much better offensive players than in 2014. But it actually seemed that it was really the domestic players that rose to the fore again with uh, Omide Ibrahimi and Vahida Amiri and Majida Hosseini. And these players, I think, just played with a mentality of life or death. You know, for every single ball, uh, in in Persian we say, it was just every ball, they were, for every 50-50, they were putting their life on the line. And for Omide Ibrahimi, actually, in the Morocco game, there was one moment, I think, that really epitomized the whole uh, World Cup for him when he slid in from a challenge for a challenge on the other side of the ball, on the wrong side of the ball from behind the man. And he somehow managed to get the ball from, I think it was Harit's uh, feet right at the top of the box. And it was such a tackle that I'd never seen before, the way he leapt into it and managed to get the ball that he actually cracked one of his ribs and uh, still played for 20 minutes with a cracked rib before he had to be eventually subbed off in the last 10 minutes of that game. But I think this philosophy that the domestic players brought and uh, the fact that they were so fit from the extensive preparation that Kairos gave them was one of the defining factors of our World Cup success. Definitely, Sahand, and I still remember that tackle you're talking about and you know to know that Omid Ibrahimi was playing injured i mean it's like you say you know he didn't care if he was hurt he played for as long as he could and you know just you got to love the effort from our team le footballers you know we all refer to them as our heroes and this is the truth and also in regards to what aria had to say about his mvp for the world cup you know i've been on i've been a diehard sardar Azmoon fan for a long time Surely the criticism he does, he, that he took, I mean, I, I was shocked by it when I started hearing about it when I was in Russia just to begin with. And, you know, Arya, the things you mentioned about how he was, you know, basically the first defender, you know, up at top, because, you know, he did do a good job, you know, following the game plan and what he was instructed to do. And, you know, it's like everyone's been saying, yes, he did retire. That's the consensus, I believe. But I think we all realize that he will be back and that, you know, the smoke is clearing and he's definitely going to learn that, you know, he shouldn't take the criticism too hard. You know, I think a lot of people are saying just stay off the social media, basically in general. Now, getting to the next thing I want to talk about, this is involving tactics and strategy of Carlos Queiroz. One thing I was really surprised about was that left back Milad Mohamedi didn't start any of these matches. In fact, he didn't even play in the first match against Morocco. Yes, he came on as a sub for Essan Hadjafi against Spain and against Portugal. And yes, he did play well. Let's, you know, forget about that attempted, uh, you know, flipping uh, throw-in. But, you know, my question is, why? Why didn't Milad Mohamedi start at left back? You know, I've heard people say before, that Essan Hadjafi isn't really that great of a defender playing as a left back. So what was the deal with this? I'm going to start with you, Arya. Um, I think it's a, it's a strange topic because he was our 
like a, a, the left back through qualification. Uh, how Safi barely played left back for. He played at left back for Olympiacos, but he didn't play for the national team at left back. So uh, it was a strange decision. Um, but it was one that um, I think came about uh, because uh, of. I, I think it's more down to experience because he looked at the, the midfield that he played against uh, Morocco. He played uh, Jamba, Shojoy, Ibrahimi, Amiri, and he played the left mid was Ansari Fard. So he played those five in midfield. Um, and I think it was a, a toss of the, of, the, of the dice between playing um, a toss of the coin between playing Mohamedin and Haysafi because he didn't, didn't he didn't take a left back with him. the only guy he took as a left back was Mohamedi who naturally was a left back he didn't take side of right. um so his only option was to either play Mohamedi or bench um, Haysafi because he did because Amiri was fantastic against Morocco um, Ibrahim was was brilliant against Morocco as Sahan was saying so he didn't want to drop them there was no point in dropping a player who was doing so well the momentum's there let him play so he was either drop Haysafi one of our most experienced players uh, because he was going to drop Shojai and Dejaga uh, two of the captains um, and if he was going to drop Haysafi there would have been no captain there no leader um, so I think he just took a choice of taking the leader instead of the the actual left back, uh, which I think was the wrong decision, um, but we'll um, we'll live and learn, I guess. Sahan, how about you? What's your take on this? Well, this is an interesting point because I was actually in the stadium uh, when I heard the announcement of the team, actually via Gol Bazan, and I was kind of shocked that uh, Milad wasn't starting. I really couldn't wrap my head around it. But, you know, the more the game went on and the more I thought about the decision, I think that uh, Hodge Safi had some key characteristics that were going for him to start. And um, the main one is that, as Arya mentioned, he's a leader. He has a lot of experience. And compared to Milod, who I've watched extensively uh, in Grozny in the Russian Premier League, he's much more comfortable in possession and much more, uh, I guess you would say, adept at just being able to distribute from whatever position he's playing, whether that be center mid or left back. And that's part of the reason that he's able to play in midfield as well, is he has good distribution. And watching the Morocco game, I think you could see that, that that was really why uh, Kairosh picked him. Because there was many times that our center backs would get the ball or our defenders would get the ball. And the first outlet they would look to was Hodge Safi. And his good control and his good passing ability... He was able to either win a lot of fouls on the left-back spot or make calm passes out of pressure that just relieved the tension on our defense. Whereas Milad is much more of a... He's not um, extremely technical left-back. He's more of a very aggressive defender and very aggressive offensive player who likes to just push the ball forward and get crosses in and take people on. Whereas Haj Safi is much more calculated and calm in possession. And I think that's what Kairosh was uh, banking on. And it definitely worked in the first game and even to a good extent in the second game because Team Medley wasn't really attacked that much from the winged spots against Morocco and Spain as those teams tried to play more through the middle. And so Hodge Safi, who isn't a great defender, didn't have a ton of defensive responsibility in one-on-one situations. But when we did get the ball back, he was able to just quickly get it out of pressure. 
but then I think it was a miscalculation, and I said this before the game, to play him in the Portugal game. Because Portugal, we knew they were going to attack from the wings. We knew they had very dangerous wingers like Quaresma, like Bernardo Silva, Ronaldo when he drifts out to the wing. And we knew that this was going to be a problem. And in the end, it was a touch that he just could not handle the one-on-one pressure that was being put on him by Quaresma. Uh, he was found out multiple times. And then for the goal, he just wasn't able to keep tracking him. And Quaresma was able to get out, get off the uh, shot that managed to finally beat Bayron Van. And I think that that was a miscalculation to not play Milad in that game. And I think Kairos, you saw, immediately realized that and pretty quickly substituted Hodge Safi and brought on Milad, who was able to shut down that side. So I would say it was the right decision for the first game, for sure. And the second game, probably too, because Hodge Safi played good in the second game as well. And Spain didn't attack through the wings. But the third game, I think Milad needed to start. And the fact that he didn't was part of the reason why we didn't get to the next round. Now, once again, I really like the analysis that you have provided, Sahand. And yes, you know, we've always had great things to say about Milad Mohamedi. And yes, we know Carlos Quiroz, you know, he doesn't mess around. He's very experienced. And we know there's a lot of Team LA fans that have questioned his decisions. And like, and I'll be quick to say that I questioned some of his decisions regarding the 23-man squad leading up to the World Cup. You know, and I, one of those players was Ruzbet Cheshmi. We'll get to that. Um, we'll get to Cheshmi a little bit later. And I remember, you know, questioning whether or not he should have taken him to the World Cup. But I was quickly, I quickly learned my lesson and said, okay, you know, I was proven wrong. You know, Cheshmi had a great game against Morocco. And then, you know, you did point out something involving Milad Mohamedi. You said that. Carlos Queiroz realized, you know, he made a mistake. You, you pointed out that he made a mistake in the game against Portugal. And you said that Hatshepsut could not keep up with uh, Ricardo Quaresma. And obviously that goal he scored, I mean, that was a brilliant shot, that's for sure. And, you know, with that, one thing I want to mention right now is one of my previous guests, a good friend of mine named Maher Sharifi, you know, he's one of those Team LA fans that, you know, who's been quick to say that, you know, he likes Carlos Queiroz, but there's something he doesn't like about him and that it's a, basically implying that Carlos Queiroz never admits that he makes mistakes or things like that. You know, there's plenty of phrases to describe that. We're not going to use those phrases here. But my question now is, was there a big mistake in not giving Saman Godus enough minutes at the World Cup? I mean, yes, in the last game against Portugal, he came on for the last 20 minutes. I don't think someone's going to really complain about that. Against Morocco, he came on the last five minutes. And also against Spain, he did not really get that many minutes at all. Yes, we're happy to see him come on. But he did, against Spain, he came on for the last, he came on in the 86th minute. So, you know, that's my question here. Was there a mistake made by Carlos Quiroz in not giving enough minutes to Saman Godus? Uh, Let's go ahead and start with you, Sahan. Yeah, I would say that besides the uh, ch- choice to play not play Milad in the third game against Portugal, that the the lack of time that he put Godus on for was the key mistake for me and the reason why we didn't go through. Uh, because Salman brings something that I don't think any anyone else in the team really has in this number ten position, and that's yes, supreme technical quality, but also very good physical and quality and speed. And I think you could see that this, when he was on, it just gave a different dimension to our attack. He was able to connect with Osmoon onto the knockdowns 
He was the first person to get to the knockdowns. He was dangerous with the shooting. Uh, he was just a, a live wire, really. And you saw that in the Morocco game that he won us the free kick that um, got us the goal in the end. And in the Portugal game, when he came on, he just changed the game. He had one near shot that almost went in. Uh, he had another shot that was actually... He got to Osmond's knockdown, took it down, shot it, and the deflection went into Taremi's path. And Taremi missed that amazing one-on-one chance. And I think that, you know, playing Shojoi and uh, in the first game and then again uh, not playing Kodus in the second game enough, these were definitely things that uh, brought down our offensive performance and was part of the reason that Osmund was so isolated was that there was no attacking mid right under him that was able to that he was able to connect quickly with because we know Osmund has great knockdowns and he can lay the ball off but there was no one there to get the second ball and in the Portugal game we saw that he changed the dynamic of the team but again only 20 minutes I would have liked to see him come on for at least half an hour or really a whole half or even better start the game so I think that Part of the reason that Kairos did this was just there was a lack of experience for, uh, on Kodus's part in the team. And that's part of the reason that Calvarezo, he wasn't selected. But I think that, you know, you saw the guys' performances in the Europa League against Arsenal, especially against Galatasaray uh, and a lot of other teams, Athletic Bilbao. And everybody saw how great of a player he was. And, you know, Wenger called him a marvelous player and didn't even rule out signing him. But, you know, that he really could have changed the dynamic of our offensive performance. And the fact that Kairos didn't put him on, I think, is the main reason that we didn't go to the next round. You know, a lot of people will say, of course, you know, the main reason that we did not go to the next round, people are going to say, oh, Mehdi Tarmi, you know, missed that shot. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and take those shots at him. You know, of course, when he missed that shot, you know, I was right behind the goal at that game, and I just never falling to my knees and, you know, putting my face in my flag. I just was right there thinking, you know, we, we were really that close to winning. But sorry, you know, didn't mean to get off topic. Arya, how about you? Was that a big mistake by Kairos to not give enough minutes to Saman Godus? I mean, I think Sahan's right. Um, you know, it, it, it was a, a mistake in terms of, I think, the, the lack of minutes during games. I don't think... The thing is, the thing is, you have to look at the formation that he was playing, he was starting with. Um, if you're going to ask me, should he have started all three games? Maybe he should have started the last one. But if you're going to say he should have started against Spain and Morocco, against, you know, the, Spain and Morocco the first two games, I would say no, because... The formation that we were playing, it was four five one. Where was he going to fit in that formation? Was he going to fit next to next to defensive midfielder uh, as a right centre mid? I don't think he can quite play that deep, um, especially in, in a defensive um, minded formation. Uh, could he have played right mid, left mid, where Jahan Barak and Tony and Ansari are mainly occupied? Maybe, but I just don't feel like he. He would, he would have tracked back the same way an answer if our uh, autonomy would, would do. And the physicality, the height, I think the height was one of the things that uh, was uh, Kaosh wanted out wide, was he wanted tall players who could win the ball from any angle, from height, from in the on the ground. So I think that, that's one of the things. I don't know if, if he was necessarily going to start games because of that. Um, if we had an easier group, uh, maybe we'd have started. 
if we had a, a, a couple of teams that you know we could have challenged uh, in, in a more attacking sense, I think we'd have easily started Bordos. But I think because he went in with the mentality uh, similar to Argentina, that we had to defend. Uh, it was just tough to see Bordos starting games. But I do think that he should have maybe played a couple, maybe an extra ten more minutes in each in each game that he actually did play. But um, hopefully in the Asian Cup he'll he'll show us what he's made of. But uh, yeah, just to add on to Arya's point, I totally agree that uh, this, especially in the first two games, the people that were on the wings and in the midfield did a great job, and especially defensively. And I doubt that Fodus could have brought that to the table. But for me, in the last game. We had to go for the win, and that was the only way we were going to get through is if we went for the win. And I don't think that uh, Vakidamiri had that great of a game in the last game against Portugal. He looked pretty tired, and I think that uh, when Godus came on, we all saw that he just changed the dimension of our attack and gave Portugal so many problems when he was connecting with Osmoon. And I think that Kairos could have afforded to at least give him... 15 or 20 more minutes in that game, but I really think that he should have started the last game. And I think that really could have changed the, the day for us. But overall, I, just, I thought the first two games, it made more sense that he didn't play as much or start because we needed a really defensive presence on the wings and in the midfield. But the last game, when we had to go for the win, I think your most technical player has to be on. You know, I want to add on something more too as well, guys. And, you know, when talking about Saman Godus, you know, you know, Sahan, you mentioned how he just really could change the dynamic of the game. He said he did change the dynamic of the game. And when I'm looking at players like, you know, Bahid Amiri and Mehdi Tarami, you know, when I see those guys, I cannot picture them in my head, you know, ripping these shots from long range to score like a fantastic goal. You know, we've seen that from Saman Godus. And I really feel like you know, that we really could have seen, I really would have wanted to see him get more minutes for those exact reasons. I mean, yes, of course, other people might disagree, saying things like, you know, hindsight, everything's twenty twenty, but, you know, you can't really think too much about that. I'm just saying that I really feel that when you compare Godus to Amiri and Tarmi, you see a big difference right away. Arya, do you want to add to that? And afterwards, of course, Sahan, feel free as well. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. From, from set pieces, um, you know, those kind of spectacular moments, uh, it's something that Godus can provide the national team. Um, something that I don't think Tarimi quite has in his locker. Um, or answer his for example. I think they're just they're good players, they're strikers, they'll, they'll finish, they'll, they'll be efficient, but they don't have that, that that extra spectacular edge to them that Godus you know, can produce in big games. And I think he'll show that uh, this season in the French League. Uh, I can't wait to watch him play him. Yeah, just, I mean, adding on, I think that, well, for example, Taremi, I think, does have an X-factor. He's very acrobatic. He was really close to scoring some big goals for us, especially in that Spain game. Uh, but I think that um, it's unfair to just look at it in the offensive sense because Taremi was basically playing as a second right-back in the sp- game versus Spain and then versus uh, Portugal. He was essentially playing as a second right back and blocking all the spaces there. And I don't think Godus could have done that. And I think that um, he just was a huge physical presence there as well. And the same goes for Amsari Fired on the left side. So I think that it makes sense that Kairos couldn't drop those two 
because of their defensive responsibilities that Gordus could was definitely not going to provide. But again, you know, the technical ability, and for me, the key thing is not even his like uh, shooting ability and like his dribbling ability, which we know is fantastic and probably better than any other team medley players. But for me, the key thing was his ability to connect with Osmoon. And really, we saw that in those moments that Osmoon was uh, supported by Kodus, he looked a totally different player because he had some, some support under him, some direct person to play one-twos with, to connect with. And that just, I think, would have brought the best out of his performance as well if we saw more minutes for Kodus. All right, everyone, having a great discussion here. And with that, we're taking a quick break. We'll be right back. Iranian head coach Carlos Garros saying, we'll have to play our best game ever. In the end, the football gods will decide. Iniesta drives it in back post. First touch was by Sardar Arzmoon. Put back in front by PK. And an attempt up over the top by David Silva. Chance. Deflected shots. Tackle missed by Amiri to the byline. Cut back. One clearance missed. Amiri was there outside the box and it's pulled away by Bayrick Bond. And Vasquez missed a chance. And a chance to do something taken by Amiri. A flick and so forward. So close. Tackle is missed by Ezetolahi. Iniesta, Costa. Nice turn. Driven in with the right foot, uh, Rezaion, it falls in front, there's a chance, and it's in, off the set piece, and it's scored by Antetolahi. What the referee has signaled here, that the goal is offside because his arm is straight in the, up in the air, means an indirect free kick. Isco, Silva cut back, shot is blocked in front, Rezaion trying to stay in front of it, Mayron on trying to get to it. And he had his first touch of the ball. And then it's swung in by Amiri. Osmoon is there! And sliding at the back post so close! They're looking for it. Oh, the nutmeg by Amiri. He got PK. He puts it to the back post! And it's a well-made header by Tarmi that just skims over the top! It is what they needed to see it out. Spain won. Iran nil. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Team Millie Talk. Here I am still with Arya Alaverdi and Sahand Salarif. Let's go ahead and continue. Now... You know, as we're still on the topic of Team Italy at the 2018 FIFA World Cup, you know, when looking back at the roster, you know, one of the players that didn't see the field was Reza Guchanejad. And I remember Arya talking about Guchanejad as a poacher, you know, as a guy that really could, you know, you could put in late in the game, he could find a way to score. So my question here is, was it a big mistake Actually, I don't want to use the word big. I don't want to use the word big. So, was it a mistake that Guchanejad did not see the field, or was this clearly a situation of Team Ali had better players who were in who were you know in better shape, as well as you know who had better seasons you know, leading up to the World Cup? We'll start with you, Arya, because I remember you saying that Guchanejad is a poacher. Um, you know, I, I don't think uh, I think Kerosh found out that very quickly in the Morocco game that we didn't need him. We didn't really require him anymore. Um, because one of the things that I, I saw against Morocco was, even though we weren't scoring goals, uh, we looked dangerous. And I think that 
Guchuan Ejad would have only um, come in if we weren't looking dangerous, we weren't creating chances, and in the last few minutes, we needed a goal. And, yeah, okay, we needed a goal, and we got an own goal, yeah, we, we, we won the game pretty luckily, but I, I just don't feel like we, we required his, his expertise, which is just to score later on in matches. Same with a player like Torabi, who didn't feature, and we thought that he might because he's got the energy, the skill. But like you said, um, we had too many good players. And I think that's one factor that comes in, is we had just too many good players. Um, and we just didn't really need them. Uh, I, maybe you could argue as well that Kovareza, he deserved to be called up because he could have played, etc. It's, it's in the past now. We didn't really sub off Osmond. In fact, we didn't sub off at all. So... Clearly, it shows me Carroll had it planned that you wanted him to play all the games, ninety minutes. So that that's that's one point. The other point is, like you said, there's just too many players that are that are too good at the moment. Sahan, your turn. Uh, well, I mean, I agree with you. In the first two games, I didn't really see a need for Guchan Najad to go on the field. Um, I thought that Osman was doing a pretty good job up there, and that we were creating. Chances and, as you said, looking dangerous. But in the last game, I, I really don't see any reason why Guchan Nezhad should not have entered the field because we needed a goal, and he is the guy who always in clutch situations has come through for us against Korea in the 2014 qualification phase. Uh, he scored that great goal that got us to the World Cup. He scored another key goal against Qatar in that qualification phase, and then again against Qatar in the 2018 qualification phase. So the guy really has a track record of delivering when it matters most for Team Medley. Uh, he wasn't coming off an incredible season, but it wasn't a horrible season. He had something around 10 goals, uh, which was better than Osmoon managed. But um, for me personally, I think that uh, he... There could have been something behind the scenes where there were some disagreements between Kuchan Najad and Kairosh, even though they're both very professional. But after the World Cup, you could definitely see there was some uh, resentment or annoyance or regret on Kuchan Najad's part that he was left out for all three games. And I really think that in the last game, in the final 15 minutes, he deserved to be on the pitch. Uh, because he has a quality that nobody else on Team Medley has, and I think that that's, that is that inside the box, he's a the most deadly finisher we have. He's more prolific than Osmoon, than Taremi, than Ansari Fad, solely inside the box. And I think it makes sense that he didn't play um, more minutes or start games, because as an all-around forward, he really doesn't offer that much his hold-up play isn't incredible he's not very fast he's not great in the air but uh, in certain moments he can provide you with a killer instinct and a calm head inside the box and as we saw you know Taremi had that one-on-one chance and a lack of experience and a lack of focus and okay maybe a little bit of bad luck with the difference between uh him scoring the goal that took us to the top of the group and him hitting the shot into the side netting. And I know for a fact that I and probably most other team medley fans would rather that chance have fallen to uh, Kuchan Neshaw. And you know, you took the words right out of my mouth. You mentioned resentment. Yeah, I feel like there was some negative feelings from Reza Kuchan Neshaw after the World Cup. You know, he announced his retirement from Team Medley on his Instagram. And... 
you know, I'm going to give this, you know, it's going to go to both of you guys. I mean, so had Gutenajad played some minutes at the World Cup, you know, would he not have ret- announced his retirement? You know, would there be a chance of him even, you know, still playing with Team Ellie? We'll start with you, Sahan. Uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty fair assumption. I mean, we saw that this summer he went to uh, Apoel uh, in Cyprus, and while that is like a, a move into a kind of in, inferior league, I think that he still would have been uh, definitely uh, happy to be around for the Asian Cup, which is just a couple months away. And, you know, that would have been a great opportunity for him to have his team medley send-off. But I think he saw and realized that um, in the World Cup, if he's not going to play one minute in any of those games, especially in the Portugal game when we need a goal and he's our best goal coacher, if he's not going to play any minutes there, then clearly there isn't a big chance for him to play a lot of minutes anywhere. And I think he probably felt a little bit uh, slightly disrespected by K. Roche that he was just discarded like that. But, you know, this is obviously a high-level football and K. Roche doesn't have to explain all of his decisions to us. Uh, we all saw that he chose Cheshmi and he chose uh, Amiri and Ebrahimi and he chose to play these players and give them the instructions that he did and it paid off. So he, doesn't, he definitely doesn't need to explain anything to anyone but I think from Buchan Nejad's point, if he's not going to play there then it's time for him to just step out of the way and let somebody like Kove Rezai come uh, into team medley. Arya, how about you? What's your take on this? You know, if, if Gucci had played, would he still be part of Team LE? You know, good point, Sabre Sahand. I think he's right. Um, I think the issue um, isn't so much that he he isn't he isn't good enough. He, he's definitely still good enough to play some part here and there, but I just don't feel like he... he I think he, he knows now. He's smart enough. He's a smart guy. He knows that... His time is probably coming coming over in terms of being a regular player, which I think he what he wants, um, and he won't get unfortunately. And he's, he he was the oldest of all the strikers, um, so I think he understands that now, uh, and I think it's also time for for new blood to come in. And I think to be honest, it was maybe the right decision to make was to to leave the national team. Not not, not maybe not the best timing. You could say he maybe could have featured in the Asian Cup, but I don't think he would have made the squad if he wasn't playing in a big league and obviously now he's playing in Cyprus so I think it's a good decision. We are getting ready to wrap up this edition of Team LA Talk but our last topic on our agenda is what I'm calling the Cheshmi Hosseini Dilemma and Arya of course we're going to start with you on this and I remember you know, looking back at the World Cup, Ruzbet Cheshmi started at centre back alongside Mortiza Poraliganji in the match against Morocco and of course as we all remember how things went Unfortunately for Ruzbet Cheshmi, he picked up an injury in training and was ruled out for the rest of the World Cup. And of course, to the delight of you, Arya, Majid Hosseini, who at that time was playing with Estegal, stepped in at the center-back role. He was recently signed by Trabzonspor of the Turkish Super League. So now, you know, who is the choice now for Carlos Quiroz? I mean, Ruzbet Cheshmi is a very good center-back. But now Majid Hosseini is playing in Turkey. Is this one of those things where you say, okay, we got to go with the guy who's playing in the better league? Yeah, yeah, you, you do. Because he's playing in a better league. <laughs> it's as simple as that, you know. And um, listen, it's a, it's a tough thing to do. Because let's say, let's say for example, 
uh, Cheshmi is, let's just say, for example, let's say he's the better player. Um, and Majid, uh, let's say he's not the better player. He's playing in Turkey and Cheshmi is playing in Istanbul. But you know that the national team is all about inviting players who who want to develop, want to be the best they can be. Uh, if you're going to play in a team that's worse, and you know, but you're the better player, which I'm not saying he is the better player, I'm just saying if he was the better player, then you shouldn't be called up because what you're saying is that you aren't ready, you don't want to develop. You just want to stay where you are, always be that player and just let other people develop ahead of you. That To me, that shows a sign of a, a bit of weakness by a player. Now, Magic is the better player. We know that. We, we all see it. You know, we're, we're not. We're all football fans. We know that he's the better player. He's quicker. He's stronger. He's he. Uh, even though he's not as he's not as tall, I would say he's actually he's he's better at leaping. He can jump. You know, he's got every attribute that you want from modern from modern defender. So he is the better player. He's playing in Europe, um, and he's going to get the experience that he needs to develop himself and play in the national team. Um, I also just want to quickly add, uh, the reason why he actually came on against Morocco, it wasn't because Cheshmi got injured and then Kairos told him to come on. The The main issue, the main reason why he came on was because um, the substitution was supposed to be Montazeri. It was supposed to be Cheshmi off, Montazeri on. But Montazeri uh, wanted to go to the toilet or to the bathroom, as they call it in America. He was going to go to the bathroom um, and Kairos was like, nope, this is going to take too long. Majid Hussain is already warming up. You can bring him on. He can get subbed on. So Majid Hussain, he came on because Montazeri wanted to use the bathroom. Um, <laughs> and now he's playing in Turkey. So it's a it's a great story. Um, but it's one that I think he will look back on and, and really appreciate. Well, um, unlike Arya, I, I, I also like Majid Hussaini, but I don't have a, any special... Uh, attachment to him but I think that Cheshmi is a player that um, has a lot of qualities he's very good on the ball as well he uh, just like Majid he's good in the air he's a physical defender and we saw that against Morocco which I think he was one of the best players on the pitch and uh, although that now although he now is playing still in Estaglal while Majid has left the Trabzonspor I don't agree that Based players should be picked based on where they play because, for example, we don't know if Cheshmi had an offer from a team like Trabzonspor. So how can we blame him for not going if we don't know the details about you know his um, any proposed contracts to him? I think if we're just looking at the quality of the players, I would say that right now they're a similar level, but uh, Majid is definitely quicker, and I think that. Um, the situation is really going to depend on the opposition because sometimes I think that Cheshmi is going to be the better choice. Uh, he's taller. I think he's still better in the air. Um, he has a little. He has more experience. But and then other times you would rather have Majid in against quicker opposition. Especially you know we're going into the Asian Cup. I think the likes of Japan and uh, Korea. You know those are teams that I think are perfect for, you know, Magic to play, his physical strength, his uh, speed, his calmness on the ball. But I think that Cheshmi, there's definitely a place for him in the squad. He's versatile. He can play defensive mid. He can play center back. Um, 
I think, you know, a team like if we're playing a team like Australia or something, we need a more uh, physical, taller defender. I think Cheshmi could provide a good other option for K. Roche. And I think that he definitely is a quality player. He's been struggling with injuries in the start of the season uh, so far for SFO, but I saw him the other night against Al Sad. And while SFO as a team looked pretty uh, poor, I would say, as, as a result of losing players like Omide Ibrahimi and Majid Hosseini, I thought you could still see that Ruspech Hashmi is a caliber above, you know, that level. He was very good in that game. Uh, none of the goals I thought were his fault. Um, he was very good on the ball. So I definitely still think there's a place for uh, Cheshmi, but I would rather uh, try to see this new partnership between Pural Yanji and Hosseini. But there's definitely going to be games, I think, where Cheshmi will be important, and he's definitely going to be part of many future squads, as he is one of the best four centre-backs uh, that Iran has. I also want to add very quickly is um, Khanzadeh. Uh, one of the reasons why he was called up to the national team was mainly because of his hard work. It's just his work rate and his work ethic. And I think that's one thing that we can't actually um, put a blind eye to. He's gone to, he's gone to Qatar. He's shown that he wants to play more. He wants to play a, bit, a little bit of a higher level. But um, I think that Kairosh, you have to understand, he, he will pick players who are willing to work, um, even if they're not at a high level. So... And it's 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 a good time for for these defenders now to show that they can work. And if you can, if Majid Hosseini or Ruzbe Cheshmi or Puari Ganji, whoever are, if whoever's working the hardest, I believe will get the start. I think that's what it will probably come down to. There will be quality as well, but I think also a factor that Kairos will take in hand is is the work rate, which is really important. I mean, I'm sure it's a factor, Arya, but. Um... You have to look at also, okay, Khanza is in the squad, but why, why is that? Okay, he worked hard, but also it's because we don't have another great center back to put in, or else he would be there. You know, I don't, like, who else do we have in that position that could uh, replace him as a squad member? You know, Khanza is very physical, he's very tall, he's fairly quick for his height, he can play center back, he can play right back, he has a lot of experience with K-Rush, uh, working with K-Rush for many years, he's always, as you said, the hard work does come into it, he's always one of the first players at the camps, uh, he usually is training the most uh, with uh, Team Medley's coaches, but I think that part of it is just a lack of quality, and I think that that is where quality is still going to be the first determining factor. If we had a player that was better than Khanzadeh, I think that he'd be in the squad and Khanzadeh wouldn't be in the squad. But the reality is we don't have a fourth great centre-back option. So Khanzadeh's versatility and height and hard work gets him that reserve spot. And we see that he bare- he like never sees playing time anyway. So. All right. You know, I said that. That was what I call the Cheshmi Hosseini dilemma. Now we're having a Salari Alaverdi dilemma. Great discussion, guys. And you know, Arya mentioned you know the the incident with Pageman Montazeri. Yes, that is a very interesting story. You know, he said he had to go use the toilet. Well, you know, I guess maybe it would have been a long ride going using the elevator to get to the locker room. But with that, guys, that's it for this edition of Team Ellie Talk. Really do appreciate you guys coming on the show. Sahand, 
thank you for joining us. Is there something else you'd like to add as we get ready to close out? Uh, no, just thank you for having me on, and thank you for your hard work on the podcast, Art. Thank you. You're very welcome. Once again, thank you for the support. Really do appreciate it. Aria, we're ready to sign off. Anything you want to add? No, good discussions there, me and Sand and uh, Art, of course. Hopefully, next podcast, we can discuss some things from the future, um, coming up to the Asian Cup, etc. But um, make sure you uh, follow uh, this man. He's doing a great job for Iranian football. Thank you, guys. Really, really great to have you. We had a great discussion. Looking forward to the next one. As Arya said, Asian Cup 2019 will be here before you know it. So make sure you visit our website as soon as you can. You know, the address, teamelitalk.com. Make sure you find us also on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know the handle, at Team Talk, And don't forget to check out our latest videos on our YouTube channel. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this edition of Team Ellie Talk. We'll see you next time. Hold up,